Although, I've seen some scripts I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here, or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Welcome back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Dorkness Chatcast. I'm your host, Brad Gullickson, the Mouth Dork. Happy holidays, gang. Season's greetings. It's that time of year again. It's December. It's been a while since I've uh, been in your ears, and I apologize. This month has been absolute madness. We've been withholding so many great chats that are in the can. But don't worry, we're back to our regular weekly schedule starting today. And man, what a great episode to kick off this new series of interviews. Look, you already know about Daniel Isn't Real. You were with us at New Orleans at the Overlook Film Festival. You heard our chat with writer-director Adam Egypt Mortimer. It's one of my favorite conversations that we've had here on the podcast uh, we talked Superman. We talked Grant Morrison. If you have not heard that interview, you need to do yourself a favor and jump back in the feed and listen to that immediately. Daniel Isn't Real is without a doubt one of my favorite films of the year so far. And uh, that's saying something because the year is almost over, guys. So guess what? Adam Egypt Mortimer, he's been on the cast. Now we get the stars of Daniel Isn't Real on the podcast. Yes, this week we are talking to Miles Robbins and Sasha Lane about their performances in this film. And yeah, we get into it. Um, Daniel Isn't Real is playing in a few select theaters. It's on demand right now. You could rent it. You can buy it. Do so. I don't spoil anything really in these conversations, but I want you guys to go in as pure and unsullied as possible when we're talking about this film, because it really is a special one that hinges on surprise, or at least an unfurling of a particular type of narrative. What can I say about Daniel Isn't Real right now? I guess I'm only comfortable giving you the IMDb plot description which reads, a troubled college freshman, Luke, that's Miles Robbins, suffers a violent family trauma and resurrects his childhood imaginary friend, Daniel, played by Patrick Schwarzenegger, to help him cope. Yeah, that's all you need to know. I only had 10 minutes each with both Miles and Sasha, so you've got 20 minutes of conversation here, and there is a stress level to 10-minute chats, and I am incredibly excited to talk to both of them. And with Miles, I push him a little bit on the metaphorical side of Daniel Isn't Real. And the reason I did that, it, it, it stemmed from a conversation that I had with the disco dork about what's actually going on in Daniel Isn't Real. If you don't want to know any more than that, then you need to rent the film, watch it now, come back to this podcast, listen to this chat. And I'm just going to go from Miles Robbins' 10 minutes straight into Sasha Lane's 10 minutes, and then I'll meet you back on the other side. But don't worry, 
listeners, you know that I'm a big Hellboy 2019 fan, and I did get one question in there with Sasha about that film, and yeah, it's a treat. So without further ado, let's get into these conversations. I'll meet you back on the other end. Hi, Miles. How are you today? Hello. Thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. So, uh, I'm a big fan of Daniel Isn't Real. It's one of my favorite films of the year. And I just want to know what it was like for you the first time you read that screenplay. Um, well, I was, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I remember the very first time, but I, 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 I definitely, I read it and I remembered the project growing on me more and more as I thought about it and thought about the possibilities and potentials that um that I would be able to you know, I, I also I, I wasn't I, when I read it I wasn't gonna be Luke uh, necessarily. Like they were I had read for both Luke and Daniel, so I, I was interested in approaching it from either side and um and I I liked it and I was really excited to see what we could do with it. Uh, and it seems like we did okay because a lot of people uh, seem to like it, and that's great, and that's like all I could ask for. So, um, I mean, did you see it? Did you like it? You like it? I mean, I loved it. I I loved it. It's not I liked it. I loved it. Um, but I also recognize that as something in the written form, without having really had a conversation with Adam about it, or really having any idea of where this could go, it could have turned out to be very different. Like I would be trepidatious going into this project, uh, just based on it, the screenplay. Sure. Well, I did, I did actually meet with Adam first. Um, and I, and he told me that he liked practical effects and that was good. I was definitely fond of that. Um, he, seems to have a good head on his shoulders when it came to music stuff, which I think is also really important. Mm. Um, so I was definitely given some confidence that a lot of the stuff that's not in the script would be handled well. Uh, you know, when it comes to cinematography and, and music and special effects, like, those are really the important things to separate a film from a play. Like, you know, if it wasn't for movie magic, we'd all just be watching people on stage talking to each other at the theater. Um, but, like, you know, and that's great, and I love plays. I love a good play. Um, but, like, you know, you make a movie for a different reason. You make a movie so you can use the language cinema to give all sorts of other feelings to the audience. Um, and I was definitely confident from our conversation that his taste was aligned with mine enough that, that he would um, be calling on the right collaborators and uh, steering this thing in the right direction. And I was, I was really, really, really happy to hear the music, too. And that was the last thing I think I heard uh, or saw or participated in at all uh, when, when, when the movie was coming out um, or coming south by. I heard the music. And I was like, ah, oh, great, cool. Mm. Like, this is, yeah, this is this really work, and I'm glad. Um but uh, but yeah, no, I, th- I think that uh, I think that it all kind of came together, and you and I are having the conversation. So, uh, <laughs> that's 
Well, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious if your relationship with Luke evolved from the point when you read the screenplay, you, you know, you, you and Adam decided that you were going to take the Luke role. And then in the performing of Luke, did your feelings of that character evolve through the process of making it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that, like, I got, at a certain point, pretty caught up in it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, like, a method actor. I would never do that to the people around me. Um, but I, uh, I definitely think that if you spend, like, every day in a headspace that your body doesn't really know that it's fake. And so, like, after a certain period of time, like, being tortured by a demon every day kind of, yeah, got to me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't have to pretend as much. Um, You know, it's pretty pretty funny to to look back on it, but definitely at the time I got pretty caught up into it. Yeah. At a certain point, and a a lot of the, uh, the kind of helpless vulnerability and that energy, which, you know, is something that I've experienced before that, plenty of people experience and you know the idea of the film is certainly to give a kind of uh voice to that experience mm-hmm. um but it, it uh it, yeah it, it, it caught up with me a little bit i think it's the only way that my views on the character changed but I, I think i had a pretty good idea of what i wanted to try to explore from the get-go mm-hmm. but my involvement of it definitely uh evolved uh as i experienced it physically every day mm-hmm. um but it's you know it's it's uh it's he's a character you know he's, he's someone who i think a lot of people share a lot in common with and ultimately he's you know a person trying to find out about his manhood and his adulthood and um you know relies on this voice in his head that is perhaps a little bit more toxic than he anticipated. Mm, mm. I think that's an experience that a lot of people have had in a lot of different ways. Yes. Um, but something that is very relevant and uh, has created a lot of the awful violence that we see in the world. So... Um, it seemed very relevant for us to tell that story and for me to try to create an empathetic uh, or use empathy to create a character who is, you know, vulnerable and experiencing that mm. that tragedy. Uh, for sure. You, you used the phrase earlier, being tortured by a demon. Uh, do you do you see the film as metaphor or do you see it as more of a straight up uh, monster movie is Daniel crazy or is, is Luke crazy or is he being tortured I'm sorry to interrupt but this is going to be our last question sure uh, okay. well can I quickly can we do, uh, can we do that I don't want to make this last question because I can't really I, uh, you know, I can't really speak to it it's, uh, it's the kind of thing that I would be uh, it's a, you would have to do, I don't know I would have to add him that for me it's uh-huh. not about the, uh, the fact that, like, it could, you know, the, it, I feel like the point would probably be that it could be either. Right, right. Like, right. Um, if, if you if you decide one way, then it kind of spoils the, the, 
the rest of it. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, I did. I did have a chance to talk to Adam when I, I met him up at the Overlook Film Festival, and we did discuss his influences. You know, H.P. Lovecraft. He's a Grant Morrison comic fan. Like he talked about it in a cosmic sense, and that's how I connected to it. Uh, I I tended right. not to talk. I did not connect to it as metaphor as much as some of my friends who watched it did. Right, I see. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that for me, I mean, I guess that's kind of like, and, you know, yeah, I'll comment, I guess. I, I, um, I, I think that it's the best use of genre to um, leave, I mean, to in, through the use of abstraction, whether or not it is, like, supposed to be a specific metaphor, like, through the use of abstraction, you invite the audience to participate in uh an experience of the story that they can project their personal experiences onto. And so like the, whether or not it's meant to be like a specific allegory, like having a piece of abstraction like that, you know, Lovecraftian thing, um, I think allows for it to have a broader impact or to have, you know, the impact that it has at all because of the way that, like, the viewer becomes, like, a user, in a sense, by, um, you know, participating in the, the narrative, by experiencing the, the, the metaphor, allegory, whatever you might call it, um, through their own lens, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, I, I feel like that's, like, such a necessary and incredible part of genre that, like, we can, you know, use abstraction to tell stories because in doing so um like involves the viewer in a way that they wouldn't be involved if it was if it was just a specific story um and it, it, it brings you into it more because of you asking the question of if that's not real you know or if that's real or if that's uh if it's just in his head or if it's an actual demon like that question alone involves you in the process so much more. Right. Like that's why I avoid, I would avoid answering, but <laughs> but I guess that, that that's my feeling about it is that like it, it is best because you uh, because you question it perhaps you know right. because like that remains something that you would you would discuss. Right. I appreciate you uh, taking the time with that, Miles. You know, I we I definitely feel like we're in a time right now where social science fiction, social horror is needed more than ever. And films like Daniel Isn't Real go a long way in answering our very real world questions by exploring it in a fantastical, metaphorical way. Excellent. Oh, man. I'm so glad to hear that. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. You have a great day. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, not a problem. Um, Have a good one. Hi, Sasha. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. You? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. So I'm a big fan of Daniel Isn't Real. Uh, I saw it at the Overlook Film Festival earlier in the year, and I just kind of fell hard for the film. And I'm kind of curious how... Adam approached you with the movie, like what your first reactions were to the screenplay? Um, he, so we met, uh, we had met for the first time. I think I had read the project, um, read the script, and I instantly wanted to do it. And we met in person and kind of already how I felt about Cassie and how I felt about 
the whole thing, I just kind of went in going like, okay, like this is, this is mine. And he had just this like fiery energy and was just super excited about it. And I just kind of went along with the whole, I I don't know, audition interviewish process as if like, this is our story. Let's go tell it. Yeah. You know, just like, so yeah, let's, let's do this. And it was, um, he just got me even more excited about it. And we just talked a lot, like personally, how we felt about it and what it all meant. And, um, it was, yeah, it was kind of like game from the beginning. And was your point of view on the film and your character the same as his from the jump? Or did that come through conversation with him? Um, well, pretty much, the, the, um, he presented it very, like, in a way that I was relating to it. And then as the more we spoke, you know, I told him about um, how I felt about, like, how my interest in psychology and how I felt about and dealt with my own mental illness and how it was very personal to me and how I think it'd be, um, how I was just really interested in how he was trying to tell it as well as kind of going from being a psychological thrill, you know, that mm-hmm. this is very real and something that we really do deal with, but also turning it into a horror, it's kind of like really, like a really good like chemistry for it. Mm-hmm. And, um, we pretty much were on the same page, and I think we just kind of got deeper into it as we just actually started having conversations. Yeah, when you talk to him, you know, he speaks about cosmic horror. And when you start to watch the film, you really do see the real-world parallels with with people struggling with mental illness. But as the film goes along, I'm struggling with is this like a monster movie or is this a psychological horror film? Did you land on what it is to you, like what Daniel is in your character's mind? To, to me, it really is more, um, I thought the whole time pretty much until I, I guess I saw the movie, it was a real, I guess, psychological, uh, like a, like a true description kind of in a way, I guess you can't say true, but for me, it really did feel like, um, like mental illness kind of brought to color, I guess, mm. in a way, and um, in a way that maybe other people can consume. Because, you know, I feel like when dealing with mental illness, a lot of the people, you know, we crack jokes or you say such dark things, but not trying to just be dark, but it is kind of dark and it is kind of like a horror movie playing in front of your eyes. So I feel like what better way is that you put it in a film and you do make it a horror film before mm. your eyes, but mm. with like very real things. Um, lying in it and um, when I finally saw the movie I was like okay you could see it all together CGI and everything and it's like okay there is this horror element and there's so many people who yeah are like we are you know monster is this is this real is this not real and I think that's kind of cool because it's whoever's watching it it's like how are they going to tap in you know what are they going to see the most because I'm Mm. pretty sure I probably saw more like I said of the whole psychological part of it versus oh, you know, his face is going to, like, melt and mesh, and mm. that's just going to be, like, a cool, scary thing for mm. people. Mm. Uh, and is it the kind of thing, you, you bring up an interesting point where, you know, you you don't really know what the movie's going to be until you're seeing it. Like, how does your relationship with the material evolve from the time you read the screenplay, perform in, on set, versus seeing the fil- the finished product? It was, I feel like this is definitely one of the ones that I really was the most, I guess, 
like my mind did kind of evolve as it went because yeah how I read it and um I was just like very like I said I was seeing more of the um I was like oh you know yeah there's just this young male his mom is schizophrenic and he's having to deal with it and it's his demon come to life and he's having to hear this voice that's in his ear the whole time and I was so focused on that and then we started filming and you know I was actually finally interacting with the voice and with um so I was interacting with Daniel and versus Luke and you start to bring in more elements to it and it becomes even more intense but if you think about it I only you know there I guess more of the horror side besides the end scene is more with just Luke and Daniel mm. I'm seeing more still this like the mental side of it mm-hmm. um so I was still constantly kind of in that realm and then to see the whole film together what a year from filming it was like oh whoa like there's these other worlds really are brought in and this is actually really like the the marriage of the two Mm. And, and and what is that like to have performed the movie and then you know a year later to see that film like is there a nervousness of finally watching the product and hoping that it it fills everything that you thought it was going to fill? Oh, definitely. Especially something that I really did feel attached to and I've been trying to see it. And since I was filming at the moment, I couldn't, you know, get out to see it. And I was kind of like begging for a link, but also still so nervous because it's like what you have in your head, you're kind of scared to see, is it going to play out in that way? Or am I going to be pleasantly surprised? Or am I just going to be... You know, you don't know what is going to happen in post and all of that. And I think it was a pleasant surprise to kind of see everything brought together and not just like the little snippets that I had mm-hmm. in my head. And it had been so long that I really could just watch it as a film almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're able to uh, fully engage with the material. You don't get trapped in your head. Up. You don't worry about what you're seeing of yourself on screen. You're able to watch the story. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we do have about two minutes left. Sure. Thank you. Um, I mean, I wish I could say I'm 100% just engaged in the film, but then when you see yourself, like, I just, instantly I'm going to cringe, first off. It's just, like, a reaction, but I think because there's so many elements, and I think Patrick was just just such a, like, sick Daniel, and, and Luke really went through so much, like, turmoil through it that... I really was actually probably more engaged than I thought I would have been, kind of just like, oh, expecting to wait on your character. But it really was like a ride that it took me on, basically. And then when I saw myself, and, you know, I'm thinking, of course, like, I hope I'm uh, portraying what I'm trying to, which is this, like, emotionally involved character in between these two. But there was so much outside of Cassie that I think it really did help mm. me be able to kind of just really focus on the whole yeah, I, th- I think the film's tremendously effective, and I look forward to audiences catching this film because it does play on multiple layers. Uh, now, before I let you go, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up one of my other favorite films of the year, which was Hellboy, a film that I felt was unfairly uh, uh, discussed and critiqued when it came out. Is How do you feel so many months out from Hellboy's release? How does that film sit with you? Like, I think even Mila spoke about it. It's just, like, I feel good. You know, I 
went in going like this is going to be a whole new experience. Yeah, I've never done green screen. I've never done anything as big as this. You know, working with like Ian and David and just all these people. It was it was a, I had an accent. Like it was a huge experience for me to kind of get over my fears as well as tap into something outside of an indie just to kind of get a feel with am I going to like this world or not and you know no matter what at the end of the day like the people are going to say what they want to say and they're going to have Ron Perlman in their head and they're going to you know want to critique and do all these things but I think the whole like gore of it and the darkness of it and all of that like I'm, I'm I was you know satisfied with it and I learned a lot and I got to kind of see like indie versus a big blockbuster film and like I'm not mad at that experience at all and plus there's so many films that people hate in the beginning and then five years later are like obsessed so I'm like at the end of the day people are going to think what they wanted to think and like And I agree, that is what is going to happen with Hellboy. I think 10 years from now, people are going to look back on that film and they're going to love it. Uh, Sasha, thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Take care. And there you go. How cool are they to suffer through my fanish, loving, uh, Far too excitable questions. Uh, super cool. Thank you to Miles and Sasha for putting up with me. Um, and I just love their answers. And I loved how Miles pushed back. You know, when I asked him about the metaphorical aspect of Daniel isn't real and how he was like, I just don't want to end the conversation with this question. But then I refused to let go and he kept going and he gave a really great answer. And I'm so happy to hear that Sasha looks back on Hellboy fondly, just as fondly as I do right now, because I do think that Hellboy 2019, the Neil Marshall film, will find a larger audience as years go by and people can see Neil Marshall's vision separately from Guillermo del Toro's vision. If you're one of those folks who is still holding a grudge against the recent Hellboy film, go back, rewatch it. It's it's not Del Toro's. That's okay. It's its own weird, crass, bloody, gory, grotesque, bizarre adaptation of Mike Mignola's comic book. I truly do cherish it. And if you are a comic book nut, you're going to dig Daniel Isn't Real because there is a lot of the four-color realm pumping through this movie. You don't have to look any further than the poster itself. It is illustrated by Jock, the guy who put... Batman the Black Mirror together with Scott Snyder and Francesco Francavia. This is legit comic book storytelling in a cinematic form, and I love it. Yeah, with a lot of H.P. Lovecraft thrown in there uh, for good measure. So there you go. That's this week's episode. Next week, guys, I promise you, it's going to happen. We're finally bringing you the Matthew Modine Full Metal Modine Weekend Conversation I've been building it up in your heads. You're just dying to hear it, and we're going to deliver it. Lisa Gullickson, the wife dork, will be back on the podcast, and it is a tremendous conversation. You do not want to miss it. And from there, we're going to go back into our Fantastic Fest chats. We're going to have our 50th episode, and on that episode, we have Leonard and Jesse Malton. So many good conversations in your future. 
And Lisa and I, we got back into Sundance, so we're going to bring you even more conversations from film festivals in the new year. So, until next time, guys, take care. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to do the social medias for the Dork Team. Don't forget to follow Lisa Gullickson at Sidewalk Siren on Twitter and Instagram, and rumor has it she's going to get back onto Letterboxd. We just saw Bombshell. Check out what her rating is for that film. Uh, follow Darren Smith at the Disco Dork on all social medias. Follow Brian Young at the Turtle Dork. Follow Billy Das at WB Das. And I, of course, am Brad Gullickson at Mouth Dork on all social medias. And because it is the end of the year, I want you guys to jump over to the In the Mouth of Dorkness main feed and listen to our Not Top 10 of 2019. Those are the films that we loved or we found incredibly interesting, but didn't quite make our top 10 films of the year. And next week we drop our Dorkies, which are the Academy Awards of In the Mouth of Darkness, And it's going to be a crazy two-part episode and you do not want to miss that. And if you are a comic book maniac and you're excited about Daniel Isn't Real because of its connections to Jock and Grant Morrison and Adam's own comic book, Ballistic, then you need to be following the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast that Lisa and I do. We just dropped our Best Comics of 2019 episode. I'm incredibly proud of that episode. We had such a great time naming the best ongoing series of 2019, the best collected comic of 2019, and the best single issue of 2019, as well as a bunch of other really rad comics that you may or may not have read this year. So there you go. Happy New Year, gang. And until next time, take care. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? Hey, are you still listening? Because not for nothing, I've recorded like 10 hours of podcast content this weekend in the last three days. I'm exhausted. It's past midnight on Christmas Eve. Is it Christmas Eve? No, it's the Christmas Eve Eve. And I'm just pushing this episode to 30 minutes. So thank you for listening to our stinger. I've got a few more seconds. A few more seconds. A few more seconds. Oh, there we go.